This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Thursday, May 24th. This is episode 207. I, as always, am Dan Ellis. I'm Sometimes right. I'm not, though. Well, uh, when are you not? Last week I wasn't because no, you he weren't wasn't. here. So oh. I, was, I was Matt Mitchell last week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I was Matt Mitchell, too. How was I? Uh, uh, how are you? Better than good? normal. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Well, we missed you last week. We were, we were bummed you were not here. Yeah. It was a, it was a lot of fun talking to uh, Mandisa. She's really fucking cool, man. Yeah. I, I, I like Mandisa a whole lot. Um. Tonight we have Shannon Inglet in studio with us. We'll be talking to her about her life. That's a lot of interesting twists and turns. And I, I mentioned during her initial talk to Atheists of Utah that it was fun stuff to talk about. And it's probably not really fun to talk about, maybe, but it's interesting. It's it's really interesting to me and cool. And yeah. Uh, so what did you guys do over the last week? Uh, I filmed stuff. We filled a bathtub full of blood. Awesome. Yeah. Real blood? No, uh, fake blood. <laughs> Man, we had to carry a probably 300 pound camera dolly up a narrow flight of stairs to a second floor. Mm-hmm. Not fun. Yeah. Not fun. How many people were doing that? We can only fit two of us on the stairs to lift it up the stairs. Who was at the low end? Uh, me. Sucker. <laughs> yeah, I was also the tallest one there, so it didn't make any sense to be on top. Oh, yeah. And then the guys at the studio said, yeah, we don't recommend you take these up and down stairs unless you can, can have about five guys on it. Mm-hmm. And we had two. Mm-hmm. But you managed. Yeah. My so back, you felt really accomplished oh, afterward. My back felt great afterwards. <laughs> I'll bet. What did you fill a tub with blood for? Uh, someone's short film project we were filming Tuesday. So Another was, midget porn. Yep. Mm. <laughs> I'll show it to you later, Dan. Oh, I'm excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> Does it have spiders too? It might. We were in an abandoned church, which is actually kind of neat and huh? weird because we were, we were actually standing in the room of the, the, the bishop's like office that was all like dissembled. My buddy's like, yeah, this was the bishop's office. And he made the comment before I did. He goes, I bet a lot of kids got fingered in here. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh, but that's so tragic and probably true. Yeah, yeah. it's both like it's kind of like he's get goes. It's he was saying it like it's that's a terrible thing. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. If the kids got molested, it was probably in this room. Yeah. Well, what what did you do for fun, Matt? <laughs> uh, not a lot of fun. My uh, alternator went out, so oh. I got to work on that this weekend. So what's what's running your body now? Alternative facts. What? Uh, your alternator? Yeah, mine. Yeah. Yo, so what's keeping you going now, man? Uh, <laughs> welcome to Dad Jokes <laughs> Thursday, Shannon. Happy to be here. Am I a little hot? Is that what that is? Always. You're always hot. Uh, Maybe. Sh- thanks. <laughs> check, 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 check. Nope. You're good. Check, check. Yeah, a little bit. Well, stop yelling into the microphone. I'll yell when I want to. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're fine, I'm sure. Uh, but I did bring this little fun thing that I wanted to read right, real quick. Yeah? Uh, game night at the Robinson house ended in a tie on Thursday when the left-leaning family tried to play the classic Guess Who board game. Uh-oh. Using yes or no questions and deductive reasoning to describe the match, various t- to describe and match various pictures of human faces. Players confirmed eight-year-old Teddy Robinson chose the game due to the bright, fun colors on the box. Sources described an incredibly silent scene as the game began when Tim and Wanda Robinson, the first two players, allegedly stared at the game board for several minutes before attempting the uh, first question. Is your person... And I'm making a lot of unfair assumptions here. A man? (laughs) Asked Mr. Robinson before apologizing profusely. I remember this game being easier as a child. Witnesses reported Mrs. Robinson then ventured forth with the first and only question of the round accepted within house rules. Does your person have inherent worth as a human being with inalienable rights ascribed to them? She asked. (laughs) Game monitors confirmed her husband answered yes with great enthusiasm. However, no pieces were turned down. After deciding that even questions about clothing and the presence of eyeglasses were too objectifying to endorse, the married couple opted to end the game in a tie and let their children take a turn. After an allegedly reprehensible question by young Teddy, however, all members of the Robinson household over the age of 12 responded by shouting, race is a social construct and nodded in unison. (laughs) Teddy was reportedly forced to sit out and watch for the rest of the night. Mr. Robinson issued a statement earlier today expressing regret in allowing Guess Who into his home. I'd like to apologize to my family, he said. This dangerous game says it's for ages six and up, and I'm insulted that the folks at Milton Bradley think this is the kind of behavior we should be teaching our children. Robinson later added that his family believes game pieces should not be taken at face value, but rather on the merits of their thoughts and feelings. (laughs) In related news, the far-right McCutler family, living across the street from the Robinsons, reportedly finished a game of Clue in record time, determining guilt based on color alone. (laughs) (laughs) Where did you you get that? I, I, I actually heard it on Very Bad Wizards, an old episode of theirs. Yeah. And uh, looked it up, and I don't remember which website I got it from, but that's funny. Yeah, that's a good show. I like that. And uh, embrace the void. I have not heard that one. Embrace the void is very good. There, it's uh, heavy on philosophy. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, it's it's very good. I want to get uh, Aaron on the show to talk about free will. Mm, okay. <laughs> he's he's a philosophy guy, and yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Interesting. Um, he's he's a determinist also. So it'll be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. Because we'll, we won't have any choice but to agree. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a compatibilist, so I'm, I'm just compatible with everybody. That, uh, that doesn't mean what you think it means. Well, and I think, I think he, I think he sees Dennett's view on compatibilism as far as, uh, free will for the same. I don't, I don't want to, I want to say. I'm trying to think of the best word for it. The, the Dennett's approach to free will and saying that he's a compatibilist is, I think, the coward's way out because dishonest, he's afraid yeah. of the social consequences. Yeah, it's dishonest. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, dishonest. Yeah, it's least. not what he really thinks. It's just that he's trying to protect the stupid masses. Yeah, like he yeah. – yeah, it's it's like he's very cynical about the rest of humanity, not that we're not necessarily. But <laughs> I am a lot less so since uh, uh, medication. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's that going? Uh, Good. 
So, so you had one that was working okay, but it gave you headaches. Yeah, the effect was good. Side effects bad. Yeah, and then you tried another one that wasn't working very well. Uh huh. This so one, you wanna... the effect is decent, and the side effects are pretty low. Oh, good. Although I have a headache today, but well, that's just because you're here. You got to put up with Ryan. Probably. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good in small doses. <laughs> uh, I went and saw Deadpool too. So did Ryan. Yeah, I loved it. It was yeah. so fucking good. Uh, I was, everybody should go and see it. If you liked the first one, you'll love the second one. It's, I, w- it's I was laughing. Better. Yeah, I love the cameos. Yeah, very I very good. The jokes. Yeah, the cameos were the cameos were awesome. Um, there's there's one cameo that as soon as it happened, the characters on screen for honestly probably less than two seconds. But yeah, it's a flash. Tracy and I both turned to each other in the theater and we're both like, "Was that?" Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Um, and. I know I did some other stuff, but I can't think of what it was. I've been super busy with a bunch of other shit going on. But we did receive a message from Michelle Short. Last week we reported on the YWCA backing out of their agreement with TST Arizona. Um, uh, that's the Satanic Temple of Arizona. Michelle Short is the co-chapter head mm-hmm. along with Stu DeHaan. And we had reported, um, Nerd. based on Jack Maturko's writing on Patheos, for Infernal Use Only blog, that the YWCA had decided that they were no longer going to work with the Satanic Temple of Arizona um, because there was an anonymous report mm-hmm. from somebody saying complaining about it, basically, and so they dissolved their, their partnership. But Michelle Short sent us a message to let us know that that has been resolved um, and sent me a link to another article from Jack Maturko out on his blog on Patheos that says, hooray for some good news. Last week, the Satanic Temple Arizona chapter and the YWCA of Southern Arizona were on the brink of dissolving their relationship over complaints the YWCA received about working with a satanic organization. In a fantastically classy move, the YWCA reached out to resolve the problem. Hear TST Arizona's side of the story and help build a path forward so the two organizations can work together on shared goals more in the future. TST Arizona and YWCA will continue to collaborate. In a joint statement released by YWCA, both groups regretted the, con- the confluence of influences that led to the dust-up, which, pre- which temporarily left donations collected by TST Arizona without a place to go. Quote, Misinformation regarding YWCA's willingness to accept donations from TST Arizona recently hit social media pages and national website patheos.com. Michelle Short, chapter head of TSTAZ, says, quote, There was a miscommunication between TST Arizona and YWCA of Southern Arizona. YWCA leadership was prompt in correcting the misinformation and have assured us that the prior dissolution of our partnership with the YWCA was conveyed to us without their approval. We look forward to continuing to support YWCA's project period and women in our community. Both organizations are taking measures to rectify the false information shared. Jack continues and says that it's nice when things work out and groups can come together and talk out things like grownups for a change, isn't it? Our president could probably learn something from that. Just well, as an aside. I don't think he's capable of learning. I don't think he's grown <laughs> up. Yeah, both are true. YWCA of Southern Arizona's interim CEO, Liz Rabago. Liz Rabago? Rabago? Sorry, Liz. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Also stated in the release, quote, YWCA Southern Arizona will continue to receive donations of menstrual products from TST Arizona for our project period drive. 
Our primary concern and focus remains with the women and families we help every day, which is exactly as it should be. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I was glad to hear that. Uh, Jack's story continues and says, plurality in action. This is a happy example of what can happen when groups are able to discuss their disagreements and miscommunications by staying focused on their commitment to the work that they do instead of finger pointing for what was, in all honesty, just a mistake. Admittedly, it was a mistake with a big potential implication. So here, so we here at For Infernal Use Only and our cohorts over at Friendly Atheist were quick to jump on it, but all the information we had suggested no other course for us Ruck makers, or sorry, muck rakers. I'm thrilled with the groups. I'm thrilled the groups were able to sort out the problems in their communication chains and that TSTAZ will be able to continue supporting YWCA in the future. And then it has the full text release of the uh, media announcement. Yeah. The press release. So that's good. Yeah, that is Very really good. good. But during pre show, Ryan asked, what are they going to do about the yeah. other place group there? That they- that yeah, the other group that they said they were going to donate to in lieu of why the WYCA not yeah. taking them. Yeah. So maybe Michelle will reach out to us and let us know what, what's going to go on there. What happens with that a, one? Like if they're going to split some of the donations yeah. or how that's going to work out. But yeah, I'm glad that they were able to resolve that and that the YWCA has their priority straight in, yeah. in knowing that they're there primarily to help work with the community and that they can partner with a satanic organization to help people in need. And that's not a problem or shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. All right. No. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll come back on the other side and talk to Shannon all about her weird and wacky life. She's, she's waiting patiently. <laughs> I'm not bored. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Mandisa Thomas and I am the founder and president of Black Nonbelievers Incorporated here in Atlanta, Georgia. You may find us at blacknonbelievers.org. You can also find me on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Mandisa Latifa. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Maybe I shouldn't be telling you this, but there is a state where the marriage laws are a little looser. Utah. Utah? Home of America's most powerful weirdos? Our lives could be so wonderful there. In Provo, Utah? Why would I go to Utah? I love booze, caffeine, and monogamy. Then that must be it. So how many brides will you be marrying today, Mr. Simpson? Just one. What, are you gay? Getting to know you. Getting to know all about. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. So, Ms. Inglet, Mrs. Inglet, I should say, yes. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> That's better. If I may. <laughs> you may. I prefer it. <laughs> oh, good, good. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I think well. it's Dr. Shannon. Dr. Dr. Inglet. Oh, well, yes. now I'm just blushing, but thank you. <laughs> hey, see, <laughs> see Dr. Dan, how what humility looks like? <laughs> oh, that was perfect. I love that. Um, no, welcome to the studio. We're delighted to have you here tonight. I'm so excited to talk to you more about this. Uh, I have listened to your talk, I don't know, three or four times now. <laughs> And listened to it again today and took some, took a copious amount of notes for questions that I have for you. Um, but for our listening audience, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your, yourself and why you are here this evening. 
Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. First oh, of all. we're delighted to have you here. For sure. Thank <laughs> you for coming. Great. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's a little weird. I've not done this before, and I'm a little nervous. Talking. Well, you got three dumbasses down here in the basement. These with are you, really so. intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, where to start? Well, but I guess appropriately, I I am Dr. Shannon Inglet, but I. That's just silly. I'm a pharmacist. <laughs> I, <laughs> I work as a clinical pharmacist uh, for one of the major health systems in the state of Utah. Um, uh, prior to a few weeks ago, I was working as a medication safety specialist, so just working to improve hospital systems, how we deliver medication to our patients and keeping them safe. Uh, but I just recently moved into a new role that I'm really excited about, uh, where I'm essentially a human encyclopedia of drug information. Uh, so I get to do uh, a lot of uh, research about questions, come up with um, policy and procedure type stuff, make formulary decisions or help make formulary decisions. So um, I'm really excited about it. So in your prior role, you say mm-hmm. you were a safety specialist for that. What, what did that entail? Sure. So um, it just kind of involved looking at our, our system. So if you think about the, the medication use process, mm-hmm. um, you know, a physician prescribes a drug, Pharmacy has to prepare, dispense, deliver the drug, and nurses administer the drug. We have to monitor the drug, um, educate the patients and their families about the drug. And believe it or not, it's a lot of steps, and we can, we're all human, and humans make mistakes. So things can go wrong, um, amid that process. And so my role was to look at, you know, the different, um, errors or potential things that could go wrong. And figure out, okay, how do we address this? How do we make it better? How do we really shore things up to make sure that our patients are, um, never experience a medication error and don't ever experience uh, adverse effects from a drug that we give them? Hmm. Yeah. That's got to be rough because of the, because of all of the interactions of different drugs and, mm-hmm. you know, people, people taking them the way that they're not supposed to. And- yeah. It can get kind of complicated, but that's, uh, one of the, cool things about it. And I think that's why pharmacists have such a meaning, meaningful role in, in uh, medicine. I think a lot of people have a misconception, some of my own family included, <laughs> that pharmacists sit behind, you know, counters and count tablets five by five. <laughs> my brother. No, you do it two by two. Don't <laughs> I, can't, I can't count that high. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. I, after, after high school, I dated a woman whose father was head of the uh, Poison Control Center here in Utah oh, for a little cool. while. He's a, I think he had three PhDs. He was a pharmatox epidemiologist. Well, what? <laughs> huh. He had PhDs in pharmacology, toxicology, and epidemiology. Uh, it was Dr. Joseph Veltri. And he, so he ran the poison control center and then started a, a drug research company on his own where they would do uh, drug testing with people. It was interesting. I just, I always yeah. love to say that he was a pharmatox epidemiologist. That was a lot of fun. That takes practice to say, not to do. Oh, yeah. It's been years and years and years. I've, I've been out of high school for a little while. Really? Yeah, like just, a, just, a, just a few years. Five. <laughs> that five-year five year reunion is just around the corner. <laughs> so you got this new gig. When did you start the new gig? Uh, just recently, May 9th, I started oh, wow. my new my new job. So. Wow, not even yeah. a month old yet. I know. I'm still learning what it all means. Yeah. Are you <laughs> digging it so far? Yeah, so far I'm loving it. Yeah. And the new gig is what again? Um, I'm, My title is a drug information specialist. So I don't know why they keep giving me specialist on the end of my jobs. I, I need to earn them. Well, it's got to end but- with, it's got to end somehow, right? You can't just do drug information. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Then I, I might get taken for, for granted. Um. <laughs> so, so you're a WebMD. 
Kind of. <laughs> She's live, MD. Yeah, yeah but, but a human. I'm the, I'm the, I'm like, click on this button to chat with a live expert on the, <laughs> on the side panel of your, your Medscape. <laughs> not quite, not quite. No. I, I imagine you're more or less, hey, we got an issue with this. What's, what are the side effects I need to know quick? Yeah. Well, it can be quick or it can be drawn out, honestly. Okay. It can be, it can be, you know, a pharmacist or physician has a patient with a really acute problem that's crazy. We've never seen this. What kind of literature is there? to support giving some weird off-label therapy, or it might be something like, you know, there's a drug shortage and we don't know what alternatives are out there, mm. what to do, what can we give alternatively, um, is there something else we can give alternatively, that kind of thing. If you so, ever have a drug shortage, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might know a couple guys too. Do I know these guys? <laughs> like Maybe. I said, I can research some off-label uses for whatever your your friends got in the backseat of their car. Um, <laughs> I, I was, you know, that actually makes me think of something. Do you have to worry about um, illicit substances that people may be using at home? Oh yeah. In addition to whatever oh, yeah. medications they're taking the as a prescription, not uh, alcohol though. <laughs> we do have to treat alcohol withdrawal symptoms frequently. Yeah. We have to treat opioid overdoses, heroin overdoses. You know, patients come into the hospital for all sorts of reasons. And quite frankly, I anecdotally, I've seen an increase in this in the past couple of years, um, more overdoses coming into the ED. Um, and, and it becomes a problem because then those patients are then admitted. And there are a lot of rules about, can we search someone's belongings mm -hmm. if we suspect something? The short answer is no. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you do for these patients who you have a strong suspicion they might be actually using drugs in the hospital on our campus? Um, so it's, it's, it's a problem. And you, when you, like, you would be interested in searching in case there's a labeled bottle and then you would know exactly how to treat that. That's what right. You mean, if right? we knew what Not they were Not like taking. to hand it over to the cops immediately. Sure. But yeah, if we knew that they were abusing an opioid, for example, we can give them a reversal agent called naloxone. Mm -hmm. If we know that they're abusing benzodiazepines like Valium or uh, Ativan, something like that, we can give them flumazenil to reverse that. So we can target therapy a lot better if we know yeah. what they're doing. But quite frankly, it's usually not one thing. Yeah. Um, right. And, and they don't want to tell you either. No, no, they they don't like to disclose. And those those two categories you mentioned can look very similar too in the way that the patient presents. They can, they can. There's kind of some hallmark symptoms, some toxidromes that your your pal up at poison control could tell us about. <laughs> you know, toxidrome. What's that? Well, like the the telltale symptoms. So, for example, someone who was you're turning blue, Violet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it, and someone who's uh you know has an opioid overdose might actually turn a little bit blue because they're cyanotic or they're they're mm. not oxygenating because they've uh. stopped breathing. Um, but they typically will have like pinpoint pupils, for example. Um, oh, so there's, right. there's some other things you can look for to kind of, or super blown out pupils. Right, right. right. Oh, okay. So I gotcha. So you're digging the new gig. Um, yeah. gigging and, the new dig too. <laughs> gigging All the new dig. Yeah. And that's, that's only a month old. So I was really excited to have you here in the studio because we are going to talk to you more about your prior life living in a polygamist family. Um, how do you want to start that conversation? <laughs> yeah, it's such a strange conversation to start, right? Let's just transition from that. First, maybe we can, here, I can segue it like this. My parents didn't believe in medicine. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a perfect segue. Yeah. Good job. 
Nicely done. Thanks. <laughs> now, is that true among all the polygamous groups, or is that just was that special uh, to your or some of the groups? Quite honestly, it's hard to make that general statement about anything with polygamous groups. Okay. There's so much d- differentiation or disparity yeah. among the different groups. Um, yeah, one of the things that you mentioned during your talk was you said, you know, if you've met a polygamist, really all I can say is that you've met a polygamist. Mm-hmm. There's right. no, there's no. You know, one representation of a person who's a polygamist that affects everybody who's a polygamist. They're, they come in all different shapes and sizes and stripes and beliefs and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. And even among themselves, there's discordance. You know, they just believe, I mean, cause everything's so esoteric and, 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 you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, it's like saying you met a Christian or, or yeah. somebody well, yeah, else. Yeah. And then right? there are people there's, just being people. Yeah. There's so. a wide range of, of variation there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it's true. There's, there's polygamists who, you know, live in, like creepy cults like you see in Colorado City. And then, yeah. you know, there's people like, you know, my own family. We kind of blended in pretty well. Um, you know, some of that was learned behavior uh, for survival. <laughs> um, but honestly, like we we didn't have to wear dresses every day. I didn't have to pull my hair back into those weird hairstyles. Yeah. or With the high bangs. Yeah, and, the high yeah. poofy bangs and, you know, like the tennis shoes with nylons and like the, the ankle length <laughs> skirts. So, you know. There were definitely some weird rules. Like I could never, I wasn't allowed to wear shorts, but I could wear t-shirts and you know, they, all these arbitrary things mm-hmm. that who knows, but it just, I'm using that just to kind of explain that, that there's just so many different groups of polygamists. Oh yeah. Well, and the title of your talk was big love, big lie. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Big love, big lie growing up in polygamy. Right. So I'm. And this is just my guess. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing you, you titled it that because your family was very much, um, modeled, not modeled after, but it was, it was fashioned the same way as the families in the HBO series, Big Love, where you just kind of blend it in. Like mm-hmm. nobody, nobody in the community necessarily know or could point to any one thing that you, Dressed any style of dress that you did, right? Or anything I mean, we essentially like that. didn't want to call attention to ourselves, right. even though we were, of course, living illegally um, <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> uh, it's against the law, so you know we didn't want to draw attention to ourselves that way. But uh, um, so you know, all of the things that go, go with it. Well, and you say you were living illegally, but well, basically not it was your so parents, much parents, right? Yeah. Like you, you yourself were not necessarily a polygamist. You were in a polygamist family, right. but. You've never had a polygamous relationship, anything no, like that. no. So how did how did that all start? I I I know that your father was a polygamist and and you know married your mother when when they were very young. Um, in your talk, it it seemed like you were hinting that your grandparents were also polygamists. Is that true? Yeah, so this is a kind of a crazy thing. Um, so so I'll back up a little bit for context. So right. my my father was raised um, believing in polygamy. Um, my mother was not. She was raised in the Mormon church and they, they did. They met when they were, uh, 18 and 20 respectively. I didn't mix that up, but, um, and, <laughs> um, and he kind of converted her and, um, y- you know how you get kind of these weird hand me down stories of lore from your, your families. Mm. The, the lore is that, you know, my, my dad believed in polygamy and he, of course, disclosed this to my mother and said, this is what I believe. And this is, you know, how I think we should be living. But for me, I don't think I'm ever going to need to take another wife. I don't think that's in God's <laughs> plan for me. Oh, that's <laughs> so let's he, get that's married. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that I think was communicated to my mother's parents. 
as they would, they would kind of lend mm. some support to the union. Uh. Um, but honestly, it's, um, my father's family is mysterious even to me, quite honestly. So my, all through my childhood growing up, it was just my, my grandma and my grandpa, my dad's parents. And, um, you know, they, uh, came to our same family church, polygamous church that we went to every Sunday. Um, but, I never knew <laughs> until my grandpa died that he did have another wife and ah. two other children with her. But apparently there was such contention um, with my grandfather's first wife and second wife. They just could not get along, particularly um, his ah. first wife. Uh, he essentially put them in a different house and we never spoke of them. Oh, so so did oh. you know his second wife as your grandmother or his first wife? His first wife. Oh, okay. So I never even knew that his second wife and two children were alive oh, wow. until my grandfather died. Wow. I think I was I think I was thirteen or fourteen when my grandpa died and it was like, What? Did Who you are- did you meet them at all? Yes, and then they joined our church (laughs) (laughs) started coming every sunday (laughs) i bet grandma loved that well grandma at that point she uh she had stopped coming and she was just all filled with all kinds of bitterness um and she really just when my grandpa did die she was just all kinds of bitter and angry with everyone just in general for no apparent reason just kind of blaming everyone for for my grandpa's death Hmm. um not just doctors but Everyone else. So they didn't pray she, hard enough. They didn't pray hard enough. And yeah, surely prostate cancer is completely preventable, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. So she's, she was a, kind of a, an interesting lady, I guess. Um, Sounds so like she, a good place to plug prestique. Uh, what? Since I was so much like that <laughs> a few weeks ago. <laughs> is that really why you guys brought me on the show? You just needed some, some drug counseling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, something with low side effects. <laughs> Hard to find in that class of medications. Yeah. So that's what you're on now is Christique? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, sorry, well, that wasn't my point. You. Not tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> Had a headache. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Go go ahead. I didn't mean it to be this kind of an interruption. <laughs> oh, that's okay. My grandmother probably could have uh. benefited from some pharmacologic intervention. <laughs> but no, but she she sadly she did get really kind of weird and reclusive after my grandpa died and she kinda um, pulled away, but yeah. So Grandpa's other family started showing up every Sunday, and then someone in the existing church group married one of those uh, my grandpa's kids, and just you know the beautiful circle of life continued. <laughs> so do you know if your if your grandparents' parents were polygamists, or I, I'm just wondering how far back that mm-hmm. stretches in your family tree, if you know? I honestly don't. Um, it's it's a little embarrassing. Since Mormons are so obsessed with genealogy that I don't know more about my own family. Um, but I think I was an angry teenager and never really wanted to learn more. Yeah. And, you know, I was never interested in polygamy myself and trying to distance myself. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad. I do know that my, um, um, paternal grandparents emigrated to the U.S. Um, gosh, after World War One, but before World War Two, I can't remember the exact year. So, so they were born 20s. in Germany, probably. Yeah, I think it was probably the the twenties to thirties. So they they were born in Germany. My grandma had an accent for for her entire life. Um, so their parents, I don't know, I don't know much of their hmm. their history, but German converts to fundamentalist Mormonism, I guess. Wow, that's interesting. 
maybe it was the thought of, I can have two wives. We're going to America. (laughs) (laughs) Magical land. (laughs) (laughs) So your, your mom and dad met. Uh, just after your mother graduated high school, mm-hmm. right? Did, did she, she was actually still in she, high school when oh, they sure. first met. Yeah. And so they get married. It sounds like he led her to believe that, yes, my family's polygamist, but that's not really for me or, or did, well, it was, it was more like, I believe it and uh-huh. we're going to go to, you know, you're, you're coming into this church group now and you're part of this, but, but essentially I don't really think it's in God's plan for me to have more than one wife. Mm. So he believed in, quote unquote the principle, but mm-hmm. he didn't think that it was necessarily his his particular path in it's life. his calling. Right, exactly. Or at least that's how he presented it to your mother initially. Yeah. So how did it go when he decided to take a second wife? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if God well, spoke to him. I mean you can't argue with God. Yeah. Oh right. Right. So end of end of discussion. <laughs> he had a flaming sword. <laughs> <laughs> no, um you know, so what happened? Remember we were talking about how you might have to edit out like my really long like uh yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> but now that we made, we made mention of it, they just stay. Now we don't have we to. We can keep yeah. them in. Yeah. So yeah. I apologize for all of your listeners hearing really long drawn out awkward uh. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is my mom and dad got married. Um, gosh, probably I want to say 1970, mm-hmm. 70 or 71. Um, started having babies. I'm number six. Oh wow! Of of 10 from my mother and it was from your mother from my word (laughs) my mother had 10 children i'm number six of her 10 children and it wasn't um until i was 10 so well i'll try to give you some other numbers to make it more contextual but it was (laughs) it was many years after my parents had been married Uh that indeed god did speak to my father and inform him that it was uh, time to take a second wife. So my dad was 40. My mom was 38. And of course it's, you know, I have no choice. My dad had no choice in this. It was just God's will that he marry a 22 year old. Uh Uh And get a Corvette. Is this a midlife crisis thing? You know? (laughs) Yeah. So she was 22 my oldest sister, oldest in the family, was 20. That's what uh, I was going to ask. Yeah. How close to age she was yeah, to the two, oldest sibling. Two years older than my oldest sister. They could, they could have been good friends. Is your sister named Ivanka? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not German. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, luckily, my oldest sister had moved out when she was 18, so she wasn't there for the conversation because that would have been great fun. Oh, but I'm not kidding. In my little 10-year-old brain, I knew this woman who was going to come into our family. And, like, I was friends with her little sisters and, like, you know, because we're all just part of the same wacky group mm-hmm. so like i knew her and i was like oh, she's gonna be my mom oh my god it's gonna be fun we can braid each other's hair like <laughs> she's closer in age closer to you, so in age. you can relate and, and, a little better. and really like my oldest sister being like kind of that same yeah. age difference it was like i'm getting a new big sister oh wow and i, I get so she was part of the 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 polygamous group that your yep, family belonged yep. to okay yep part of that little pool so yeah, and I mean, 
And I was 10, so I don't know. Yeah. Even if I wasn't 10, I don't know all the conversations my mother and father had. Oh, yeah. But to be perfectly honest, like my mom, she's the most meek, demure, quiet, obedient woman. And um, I don't know well, how- she's a good Mormon woman. She's a good Mormon mm, woman. Yeah. And I don't know how she started out, but she certainly by that point was whatever he says goes. And so, yeah, I don't know if she He's had the any. patriarch and head of the family, and yeah, yeah, that's just how it goes. That's how it goes. This is God's will. He's He's got the priesthood and talks to God directly, so what is she going to do? Yeah. He's he's her ticket to heaven, because women Oh, right, because women she don't, can't get into the celestial she, kingdom she without She can't him. get into the celestial kingdom without the priesthood. Are you kidding? Uh, maybe that's what grandma was worried about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's one of the things that really drove me away from mormonism i mean yeah I, I always thought it was bullshit anyway i never really believed any of the tenets but it was one of the things that really made me take a step back and say well why do all of these women in the church just go along with this that they can't get into heaven they're always going to be subservient they're always going to be lesser than their husbands they can't right. they can't do the same thing that men do and and the church says well their roles are you know different but they're still equal in god's eyes mm-hmm. well that's bullshit because yeah. if they were equal in god's eyes then they should be able they to attain able the to... same level of heaven as their husbands right. regardless of anything else but that's not the case and that always really bothered me I'm glad to hear you say it because it's never made sense to me either. <laughs> and growing up in a polygamist home, it never made sense to me that I couldn't do all the things my brothers got to do. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but I'm at least as smart as them. Yeah. <laughs> or smarter. Are any of well, your brothers doctors? Actually, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you, how, so how many out of 10? What's the percentage we're going with here? Oh, for, well. for, with just doctors? Ah. Well, there still remains to be seen what the young ones will do, ah. but um, there, there's one other doctor. He's a PhD, not medical physician, um, but a PhD electrical engineer. And my other brother is a physician's assistant. Um, so, you know, he just took a shortcut. And let's, let's all remember, <laughs> Ben Carson is a doctor and a brain surgeon. That's true. Yeah, it yeah. really so, isn't a good indicator of. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. correct. <laughs> you, can, you can be specialized in one particular area, be really good at that one thing. Yeah, I think that's called savantism. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, then just be a total dipshit about everything else in life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that you are. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I will remove I just, these headphones and I be just, on my I way. I realized I'm like, I kind of yeah. myself into yeah. a corner with that. You've <laughs> never left sponges in any of your pill bottles. <laughs> <laughs> or a junior mint. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, weird Seinfeld. Seinfeld reference for the system. <laughs> but yeah so um oh I wanted to tell you one other thing to gross you out though oh, so um uh-huh. so so yes wife number two came into the family and of course um started having babies as well my mother's youngest and wife number two's oldest children were born two days apart oh wow huh so my dad went from one hospital to another because they weren't mm. born in the same one. Oh wow! How, what they weren't born in the same hospital? No, I don't. I don't think they were, and I can't remember the reasons why. Or Probably I don't know. For, I think like records. <laughs> it could have been for records. It could have been wife number two had a full time job that she may have had some health benefits with, or something like that. Mm. Um, well, and I was just thinking, like, 
Hospital staff may have had some questions if your father's right. going from, uh-huh. yeah. from one, one room, room to the, the other. Next. Yeah. And yes. then he fills out yeah. two birth certificates for two different women in the same hospital. Like, right. Weren't yeah. you just. Oh, just- gosh. Wrong room. Oh, sorry. Mix these up. <laughs> I can see why there would have been two different hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> it really kind of makes a lot more sense just beyond the insurance issues. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah. So he decides to take wife number two. She moves into the house. They. They. Do you remember a uh, wedding ceremony at all? Uh, you know, the quote unquote weddings, they're just, you know, I didn't actually go. Um, I, don't, I can't remember if there are like rules about how, I don't know, but essentially it's just a s- simple ceremony in like the same basement where we had Sunday school, church mm. every Sunday. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've never seen one. Don't really care to, but essentially <laughs> it's just, you know, the same kind of weird. You know, hand well, gesture secret, things secret and thing. the secret, yeah, you know, the, the secret language, not really language, but verbiage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are then sealed together in God's eyes. So sealed for time and eternity, time and eternity. <laughs> and yeah. why do you got to hide in the basement to do it? Right. I don't know. They didn't, we did everything. I made the joke in my talk that, you know, we, we literally lived our religion underground because <laughs> like, seriously, it was, it's always my uncle's basement where all these things happened. So, so uh, what kind of, or how large was the congregation that would gather for services? Uh, you know, it kind of waxed and waned over the years, um, somewhere around 50 to 70. Um, all, all, all in one basement. Mm-hmm. It was a big it house. It was big, yeah, <laughs> big, big house. Wow. Yeah, lots of space in South Jordan, and then Sandy kind of moved around a couple times in my childhood, and then, um, yeah, different families would like join, and then like there'd be some weird disagreement over some like weird like footnote of a text that uh. no one like is <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> so like there'd be arguments, and you know certain families would join a different polygamous group, and then another would come in, and so it's weird. I'm Bryce Barkenagel. Have you ever wondered if Joseph Smith was drugging the early Mormons? Turns out it might be possible when you have a fantastic congregation that is witnessing angels floating around in the rafters and think that the temple is on fire and they're running out in the snow and writhing around on the ground naked. Yeah, as it turns out, drugs might be the best explanation. Be sure to check out my Sunstone Symposium presentation on the Joseph Smith Entheogen Theory by punching that into any YouTube browser. And thank you so much for checking that out, and be sure to check out the Naked Mormonism podcast. This is The Godless Revolution. Hello, ma'am. My goodness, you have such an attractive little garden here. Oh, thank you, young man. I just planted those flowers last week. My, how they grow. Yes, ma'am. We're from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, the Mormons. That's right. I'm, I'm Elder Young, and this is Elder White. Well, you two boys can just fuck right off. Ma'am? You heard me. Take that Book of Mormon and shove it so far up your righteous asses that you choke, you soul-soliciting pigfuckers. Gosh. You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. So you'd have people. Would they would they come in from other polygamous sects and and move in and out of the different? There, I know there are. I think I can well, probably two or three in the Salt Lake Valley 
um, that I know of. I'm guessing there's probably more than that. But I've been thinking I should start like one of those like tours, like you know, where where you have like the the bus with no roof and you take yeah. people around and and just be like <laughs> like the celebrity tour. Bus. Yeah, yeah, the celebrity tour. I can do the polygamy tour of Salt Lake. Um, <laughs> that little house is actually twenty thousand square feet <laughs> and holds one family and twelve wives. <laughs> <laughs> this is my uncle's basement. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but no, it's, um, it is true. So there's, you think about like, you kind of know some of those names, like, you know, the, the, the all reds yeah, and the, that was the, the first one that came in yeah, mind. Yeah. You know, so you, you all kind reds of hear and the Barlows. The Barlows and, and yeah, there's some, Chimales. I don't want to name drop. Um, oh yeah. The, the Chimales. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Jeffs. And so, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's all these different groups and, and even like, um, you know, lesser known ones that are like local that you know we kind of we all kind of know each other but it's like well they kind of have this weird thing about them and so we're not going to affiliate ourselves with them we like our group and so it's it's strange well it's like any other christian religious sect right yeah i mean there's hundreds of different variations of christianity so this one included (laughs) thousands i think right um yeah that's really weird did your dad hold any type of office or calling in your particular church? Uh they didn't really have formal callings, if you will, like that. He um, There wasn't like priests and a well, there were priests, but were there like apostles and a no, president or anything like that? I don't honestly I Prophet Seer and Revelator. No. <laughs> we we kind of had like excuse me, my my great uncle was kind of like leader of our group and then there were, you know, several of the the males, the men that were heads of households, um, that kind of they didn't have a formal title, but it was understood that, you know, they're kind of leaders in their mm-hmm. own right. Um, in like our church on Sunday, like my dad's job was he was always like the MC. Um, cause <laughs> believe it. Hip DJ. Hip DJ. <laughs> hip DJ dad. No, he, <laughs> no, I think it was, he was a good speaker and he was quite charismatic. And so he could, he could carry the dialogue along and he could introduce, you know, like today, this person's giving a talk on this and like then transition to, you know, mm-hmm. him time and all that kind of thing. So he was he was like the MC um, for as long as I can remember. Now I know most people when they think of the the polygamous groups, they think of the Jeffs, the Warren Jeffs, where he his himself was the head guy for the church. They didn't follow the prophets in some yeah, like, city was right. or anything. He, but he was, was the prophet. The prophet. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of the the smaller FLDS group do they follow that same thing where your head of your group is the your prophet and you don't follow the actual mainstream LDS religion? That's a great question. I think that it was kind of a, understood or approached that way, but I can't remember. That we ever referred to him as a prophet. Okay. I don't believe we ever did. I think ultimately they recognize that, you know, he's like the head of our family group. Uh, he's our, I think I did hear him call our patriarch. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they would always ultimately refer to, to Joseph Smith as, as the prophet and okay. seer. Okay. So they still viewed him as the, yeah, he's as the, the one true prophet and yep, seer. Yeah, the of one the mighty and, and strong. And, yeah. But how do yeah. they view the, the Salt Lake? You know, formal mm-hmm. LDS church. Mainstream. They view it as they had the mainstream LDS church, where they view it as mm-hmm. just oh, we don't believe what they're saying, or believe their prophets are are full of crap because yeah. they broke the covenants. Or, right? Or, yeah. No, that's a great question. I think again, different polygamous groups yeah. have a different perspective on it, but I think for our group and my father, um, they felt. I th- I think most groups would agree that they felt a certain level of betrayal. From okay. the mainstream religion, you know, they, 
they chose that they to had abandoned the principle. They abandoned. Yeah. They were yeah. cowardly. This holy sacred yeah. covenant. They and, caved in. They're going against yeah, God's commandments. Exactly. Just selling out <laughs> to <laughs> be a state. Um, <laughs> they're no longer punk rock. <laughs> but I, as I think they're eighty two. <laughs> More like Green Day. So yeah, I think there's inherently that. And so there was some like hurt feelings, some betrayal and, and just a feeling of they couldn't, they couldn't do this. They couldn't live up to the, the full weight of the law. And, um, I think, uh, I remember my father saying that they only, uh, they only practice about 80% of God's law. Uh. So that's kind of how it was, is seen, you know, so. They're not living true and completely faithful lives. They're they've compromised themselves in order right. to uh, be be more accepted. Mm-hmm. This I'm interested in this particular line, but it may not be answerable. Um, but I'm 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 I asked Roy Jeff some of the same questions, but I'm curious about like the psychology behind guys like your dad or or Warren. Um, there's a couple of red flags that you've said already that make that about the charisma mm-hmm. for one thing, but also he's it's the long con for your dad, right? Like mm-hmm. the way that he was so early on to plant that seed of polygamy right at the front, like to even to bring it up to say, I'm not into that, but I believe, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of the, the fact that he's, Putting on a decades long manipulation because I don't buy for a second that he didn't, wasn't planning on doing that ever. That's why he said it. Right. Right. Nobody needs to say that (laughs) when, you know, I didn't tell, I didn't tell Danielle that I'm not a polygamist before we got married. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to to say that. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. (laughs) Right. And so when you start with that and then, and then you kind of ease the, the, um, objections by saying, you know, I not for me, but I do believe in the principle, but you know, we're not mm-hmm. gonna do that. But yeah, I would never do that. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is this is decades long manipulation, long con. Yeah, right. And um it's you know, it's a weird thing. I have thought a lot about this. Um and it because, you know, my dad had a lot of other tactics um that oh, were none sure. too subtle, um, especially in retrospect. I mean, you don't even realize it at the time, but once, you know, you you're out and you can reflect back on it and think about it. Um, and, and take a higher level view. He had a lot of tactics. So first and foremost, um, in his power and his control, um, was money. Mm. So he controlled all the money. So my mother stayed at home. He carefully monitored like all of the credit card statements. Like I remember my mother actually hiding like receipts and purchases. And it's like, mom, why don't you want dad to know that you like bought my brother a pair of pants like what what is that um but it was just it was the control factor and he really kept a really tight rein on my mother and all of us children so um for example too he um you know it's it's a lot easier when kids are little but then as we were like growing up being teenagers um he wouldn't allow us to we we took driver's ed because it was part of like high school yeah but we could not have a car so i relied on you know friends to drive me around and that kind of thing was not allowed to have a job because again then i could earn some of my own money and have my own kind of independence yeah Yeah. he did not want any kind of independence to be facilitated so um so yeah i i I think he he had a lot of those little tricks um and definitely used Mm. them to the full extent that he could to kind of keep us 
under very tight control. So what was it like growing up in the house? You've, you've hinted at some of the control issues your dad had and everything. I think you mentioned during your talk that you guys didn't really celebrate many holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, we like, we found ways of like celebrating, like, uh, holy cow, birthdays were a huge deal because <laughs> like Jehovah's oh. Witnesses. No, no, like our own. Oh. It was like, <laughs> like, it was like, there's so many of us. That's what I'm like, there has to be at least oh, one yeah. a month. Right. Yeah. And it, it actually is. <laughs> 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 there's a couple in May, a couple in November, but yeah, they're pretty, there's, yeah, there's, they're all over. So, um, but like for us kids, like our birthday was like a big deal because mm. it's like, everyone's going to pay attention to me for a yeah. second. Well, um, yeah, it's got to be hard because that, that's, you know, all that time and attention that you're spreading over instead of one or two or three kids, it's, what was it, 17 kids 17 total, all, I believe? Yeah, yeah. 17 total. Yeah, you have 15 middle children. <laughs> 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 yep. <laughs> wow. So what would you do for birthdays? Oh, I mean, it was, it wasn't even anything huge. Um, well, I should maybe go back to the holiday thing. Don't let me forget. But, um, along with birthdays, it wasn't like we actually got to have birthday parties, like birthday parties with friends or anything. It was really just like, um, dinner time, like dinner. My mom would cook, you know, within reason, something we wanted for dinner. Mm. And then we always got a cake and my mom would hang like streamers for us. And like, you know, there's some decoration. And then, uh, you know, with the, the cake, everyone would sing. Um, happy birthday to you. And it was like your special little moment. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't extravagant by any means, but that it was like your moment. Oh yeah. Well, and when you would get so those moments, you know, so few and far between, mm-hmm. right. that had to have been really special. Right. Cause I mean, that's the, I mean, with that many kids, like my mom was just always out like buying groceries. <laughs> like I, I honestly, I think she was probably out for her own sanity too, but because yeah. <laughs> grocery shopping took a long time. I need a break. No, <laughs> take me away. <laughs> Seriously. Mom went shopping and, last week. <laughs> <laughs> and then my father was at work all day. And then when he got home, it was just, we were really just trying to stay out of the way and keep our heads down because any attention from him was inevitably negative. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was just, yeah, that's kind of how it was. Hmm. But, but yeah, back to your, your holiday thing. Yeah. Most popular holidays are, um, you know, steeped in pagan traditions. So, you know, Easter, it was like, we never celebrated, even though it's like supposed to be about Jesus. Um, and we would, you know, in church, like around the same time as Easter was really happening, we would usually have like a special meeting or sacrament meeting or something like that to, um, to draw, to, to remind us about the magic of Jesus and his resurrection. But, um, in terms of like dying, <laughs> all that crap, you yeah. know, the, the Easter egg thing and the candy and the Easter baskets, we didn't do any of that. Um, Christmas sucked the worst because like everyone at school, like, oh, Christmas. I got so many gifts. Yeah. Santa's coming. Santa. What are you talking I think about? that's so interesting because I, I, every time with this war on Christmas, keep the Christ and Christmas bullshit. <laughs> Our family wasn't, wasn't recognizing it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, but in my mind, I think, well, then do it like, do it like you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. you Christians, if you're complaining about it, get rid of all the pagan stuff then. Yeah. Yeah. You can keep the, the virgin birth and we'll have all the presents and the and decorating the, and, and the tree and, and, and the stockings yeah. and all the fun stuff that you love about Christmas. Right. You know, they should be doing it like that. And I should actually, full disclosure, we still did get some presents because my mom, I think, just couldn't quite let go. Sure. Sure. Of, treasured memory so um, well, i'd imagine it's only like one or maybe two gifts per kid because that's a lot of kids well my mom i think she along with the grocery shopping all the time she was like christmas shopping all year round okay. she was mm. she smart. was a wizard or like 
I don't want to call my mom a witch, but the female equivalent. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> but she, so she, yeah, she's like the she was resourceful. Equivalent. She was really resourceful because, yeah, she, you know, stretching money like enough to take care of so many kids. Oh, yeah. on a, Resourcerous. On one, a resource. I like that. <laughs> nice. I That's like good. that. But I mean, she could stretch a buck. Like she could coupon like nobody's business. Well, what What did your father do for a living? Yeah, that was going right to be question. my next question. Like, yeah, how did he afford two wives, seventeen kids, and a house? And I don't know. I know what my dad did. I don't know how he afforded it. Um, but they were definitely penny pinchers and really um fiscally responsible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, my dad actually just worked for a payphone company. Oh. Um. And, uh, that's a booming business these days. I know. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, <laughs> the last, last decade, he like kind of transitioned to doing some other things because he was, you know, getting close to retirement. But at the same time, like payphones are, we're not. getting close to retirement too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're also being, retired. yes. So, I mean, I think by the time he was just about to retire, um, they, uh, they'd kind of like cut down staff to just like him and like one or two other people wow. and, they they still had like some actual real payphones out in the world that, that they were maintaining. Um, but you know, prior to cell phones coming along and, and it that was what he did. He like collected coins from payphones all over the region and mm. um yeah, repaired and fixed payphones. Hmm. Hmm. It's kind of a weird random. Yeah, I guess thing. somebody would have had to do that. Somebody yeah, had never, to do it. I never really thought about it, but yeah. Somebody well, had to do it and it allowed him to keep a low profile and did they have someone on staff that would go by periodically and hang them back up? <laughs> <laughs> they had special tongs so they oh, didn't yeah, actually have right, to touch it. Right. Oh, yeah. Put it back on there. Yeah, some of those were pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's what a it's a terribly disgusting idea, right? Like any homeless person remembers. could have done anything with that phone. It's very true. <laughs> sure. So when you when you delivered your talk, <clears throat> excuse me, when you delivered your talk. Um, I think everybody kind of danced around it. Would you, would you refer to your family's religion as a cult now? Or how, how do you view it looking Um, back? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, I don't know. I guess I haven't looked up in a dictionary the definition of a cult, but I think they definitely share some common characteristics. I Mm. mean, just trying to keep such tight control over people, trying to make sure that they're not using their brains and that they're just totally engrossed. And immersed in this, you know, culture and constantly reinforcing the ideas that this is the truth. This is real. If you don't believe it, you're going straight to hell um, and using kind of some fear tactics and, and those power and control um, tactics. So there's definitely some some commonality. What about and the isolation, too? Right. right. The isolation is I'm like trying very intentionally not to ha- allow us to have friends. Friends mm-hmm. don't come over to our house. Not um, having a job. Not That's what I was going to ask about next was like, you're going to high school and stuff and you're trying to, you know, assimilate, normal. Not assimilate but oh, be yeah, normal. Blend in. So you're yeah. going to, I'm guessing a normal public high school. Yeah. Did people there know about your pol- polygamous family? Like, of course was it a rumored yeah. or were you just like disassociated with the other students? Well, no, I had, I definitely had friends that I, you know, I had really close friends that were, you know, friends from elementary school all the way up to graduation and they of course knew um i think i kidded myself a lot that i was a really sneaky girl and, and good at- <laughs> i'm so clever <laughs> i'm they'll so never figure they'll it out. never know <laughs> <laughs> i covered all of my tracks <laughs> mom tooth picked me up today Hi, mom, tooth. <laughs> 
It's my mom. I did. Aunt, I told mom. I, aunt, I told everyone she was my aunt, and she was going through hard times. Had to move in with us, <laughs> and then just like try to ignore the fact that there kept being more children. <laughs> well, how? how- I just thought of this. How big was your house? Like, how many did you have? Like, kids just stacked in rooms? Yeah, like, a little like bit. Cordwood? Um, <laughs> no, it was no. We actually had a pretty big house. It's yeah. uh seven bedrooms, uh, just two levels. But my dad actually built it. Like, so he and his um his brothers um purchased some land, um, and just, like we were down. Like, I mean. This was South Jordan way back in the day. So like it was like horse pastures and stuff. So, um, so like we had like a whole acre and then like my brother's homes, they just kind of built their own little cul-de-sac there. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was pretty decent size, but yes, everyone had to share rooms at some point. Um, I was picturing like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like one bed for you and grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Now you said seven bedrooms. How many baths? Oh, um, four. Okay. Better than one. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, one of really well, even four with yeah. that many people in a household is yeah, yeah. It uh, it's kind of strange. Like um, I I actually I think I may I'm the only one who never had to share a room. Oh wow! Because uh, how it works Lucky is you. I know so spoiled. <laughs> so um, well, it just has to do with the birth order. So I have an older sister. Um, and then four brothers, and they weren't going to make me share. Yeah. My, my brothers had to share rooms. Mm. Um. Uh, so they weren't going to make me share with my brother. So I had my own room and then another boy came along. And so I was just like, still living the dream. My own- <laughs> and then we started getting a run, a run of girls, um, after that. But then I was, there's five years between me and my next sister. And then another girl came along. So those two girls ended up sharing a room and I got off scot free. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Lucky you, man. The only person That's in the space. house with privacy. Seriously. Kind of. And, and your dad did all this with, by servicing pay phones. Yeah. It's weird, right? Was he also in pharmaceuticals? I don't know. <laughs> that would <laughs> yes. be a good cover that would to drive be a around. Good cover. Yeah. Drive around in like a work truck and you like got a perfect you got drop some cool off drop position. sites. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know what else was going on, but supplement the income. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and and honestly, when wife number two came along, she she worked full time and she had a job and was able to bring more income into the family. Um, so I, I'm sure that helped a ton. Yeah, with, sure. You know, oh, what did she do for a living? Uh, she managed, well, she, she was a server in a restaurant and worked her way up to, to being like the manager of the restaurant. So. Well, that's good. And you said that you're. I thought you were going to say she fixed VCRs or something. (laughs) 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 The old, uh, what are they called? The the betas or something? Oh yeah. (laughs) Those never never made it to Massachusetts. When I, when I moved out here, I've had people always talk about those. I'm like, I don't want to. My my parents had one. Yeah. My grandpa would take all the VHS tapes and transform over to Betamax tapes so we could watch the movies. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> They're higher quality. And then to Laserdisc? No, you couldn't burn those. <laughs> but we didn't have that. I think my grandfather had one. We had one in our high school. My yeah. my stepdad had a had one of the old Laserdisc players with the, the big fucking yeah. like uh, yeah. inch Bigger than a record. Records, yeah. 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 This is Mithrin, author of the ABCs of Science and Mormonism, as well as I Should Start a Cult, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. I remember making an absolute 
well, I won't say full of myself, I was expelled from a meeting of Latter-day Saints in when I first went to, to, to Salt Lake City. There were, I just literally, as a tourist, I was wandering around, and this person in a grey shift came up to me and said, would you like to see around? And I said, well, that's very kind. And then she started gathering others, and I realized she was a Mormon who was doing a tour, and presumably there was a little bit of recruitment uh, going along, because they're a very proselytizing uh, sect, as you know, the Mormons. Anyway, she, uh, she, but she gave us a good tour, and we saw this tabernacle here and this here and so on. And and then at one point she said, I just want to tell you a little about the Church of Latter-day Saints. And we all politely stood. And then she said how um, in the afterlife, all families will be reunited. And you'll be with your families forever. So I put my hand up and said, but what happens if you've been good? <laughs> she, she said, could you leave, please? Because everyone started laughing. But I mean, what a ridiculous idea. How is that supposed to be attractive? that you're going to be stuck with every aunt and every cousin and every, oh, good gracious, every, you know, alcoholic or slightly deviant uncle. I mean, Jesus, it's just the most awful destiny imaginable. And they think that's a USP. That's a, yeah, that's what our church promises. Good Lord. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. <laughs> well, you said that your your church took place in the basement of your uncle's house. How many siblings did your father have? Uh, my father had, let me see. There was some falling out with them too. So, um, yeah. he had. Well, and falling out as they like went to other sects or, or well, just left or. One of them rejected the lifestyle and left, oh. Oh. um, got out of there. Um, no, two of them did. Um, cause one of them, uh, stayed locally and so like i i grew up kind of knowing him and, and those cousins another one moved completely out of the state um another brother the uncle we had church in every sunday obviously stayed and then he had this is so embarrassing two or three <laughs> sisters but they left as well oh. so so not a high retention. it's really rough when the ladies leave i know <laughs> and you want to kick all the guys out but you want to keep the women in the church come on seriously <laughs> it's a failure on your grandfather's part i think <laughs> um so your father I, I remember during the talk that you said that um your father had moved into your his second wife's room basically moved out of your moved out of the shared bedroom with your mother and mm -hmm. into the second wife's bedroom and your mother is an active rebellion painted her own bedroom pink. <gasps> I think it was more like consolation than rebellion. I think it was more like, well, might as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I know in the, you know, in the show Big Love, it's like they would, you know, they, they had a calendar where they would mark mm. off, okay, well, you know, the husband's going to be with wife number one on these days and wife number two on these days. Was there... It sounds like there had to have been some back and forth you for know, Dan, your siblings to be born. I try not to, to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just it struck me when I was listening to the talk again today. It was one of the things that I picked out today that I hadn't noticed before. That you said that he moved into her bedroom, and I guess I'd always just figured that there would be, yeah. well, you when know, it, there would just be mm -hmm. timeshare husband. I don't know. Yeah, no. When it when it when when wife number two first joined the family, there was a timeshare thing going on. Like I said. Try not to make me think about this too much, but <laughs> there was certainly a timeshare going on. And obviously both of them were pregnant at the same time and having babies, um, two days apart. So obviously the timeshare worked. The timeshare was working. Um, <laughs> but essentially at that point, my mom was 40. So yeah. 
she probably was getting close to not being able to have more children. So mm. yet another reason for my dad to lose interest, I guess. I don't know. Well, and that's really so, the only reason why you would ever want I know, to be with right? your wife. Putting I know. Her okay, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. She's just using me to get into heaven anyway. Um, <laughs> 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 sorry. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the victim here? Um, no, but uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're, I mean, they didn't have a high quality relationship anyway. And then yeah. without, you know, you it's know, not like they were much laying motivation. in bed talking to each other yeah. about how their day went. Oh, sure. And stuff, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to feel secure when you got all that sweet, sweet payphone cash <laughs> or coin. <laughs> coin. Literally. That coin. coin. Yeah. <laughs> so many quarters. <laughs> But yeah, so it, it's true though. So I don't remember at what point, but you know, my mother did not have any more children, um, after, after that. And then like essentially, yeah, my dad kind of stopped going to that bedroom and was going to the one down the hall every night to sleep there every night. Hmm. So yeah, my mom painted her room from blue to pink. <laughs> there wasn't, there wasn't like a, I'm taking all of my clothing, like I'm moving my <laughs> sock drawer. <laughs> Over to this other bedroom. It was. It was just. Yeah, started it was, sleeping in the other bedroom. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I did phrase it as he moved in, but I, there wasn't really anything to move in. It's just he just. That was where he went to sleep every night. Huh. Um, I never in my mom's room anymore. So yeah, that would be so weird. And so I, I, I can't imagine how your mother would have reacted to that, just because there's right. no, there's no frame you, of reference for right. me to how do you relate not, to that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you not feel? You know, insulted and 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 you know just completely devastated by something like that it's it's yeah oh well, I mean, it's, it's we haven't move. we haven't talked about it but how did your mothers get along were they simpatico did they like each other talk mm, i think they made great efforts were they good sister wives <laughs> no i <laughs> i, I want to be totally objective but quite frankly wife number two is a bitch like, oh, yeah? I mean, she's just like a snotty brat because literally she's a kid yeah. Yeah. and she had like no education. She was homeschooled and she just was an idiot and just <laughs> completely selfish. And she didn't understand. So she's walking in and, you know, not all of it's her fault, I guess. But she's so she's walking into a home that's already well established and she has no idea what the heck. So, you know, she just had no consideration, no appreciation for the things my mother did and. My mom, of course, like everyone tries to make a good show and, you know, it's, it's obviously among the entire community. Everyone is supposed to get along. Everyone is supposed to love each other and be happy sister wives. So, I mean, they could never voice any real anger or frustration, certainly not to us kids. Um, so I can only imagine what my mother internalized. Um, well, yeah, they're not going to voice any. Real malcontent with people right. that, you know, I'm sure they would like to continue carrying on the principle. They're not going to say, this is the shittiest life in the world. You should never <laughs> right. do this, right? Right. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, it's, it just goes against their whole like purpose for their yeah. religion. So, yeah. so I mean, I think my mom put on a brave face and she certainly would make a passive aggressive comment here and now again, but, uh, um, and they'd get into little, you know, disputes that they would try to keep quiet but then like ultimately it was like kids going to their dad being like settle this kind of thing but i don't know i think this uh this definitely goes some way 
uh, to count as evidence for what uh, Dr. Garcia was saying about the biggest predictor for violence being gender. Could you imagine if the genders were reversed in that situation? Oh, yeah. That would be that would end in a murder for sure. Physical brawls all the time, at least. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. And then murder. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. your mom, like, made some passive-aggressive comments once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she That's didn't crazy. get out a butcher knife. Yeah. <laughs> but if she had, I mean, you know, I would... <laughs> she has more self-restraint than know. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not oh that God. I would always would go to violence. Of course not. Hopefully your husband's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> he knows his place. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about... So do you take after your dad, then? <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a few tricks. <laughs> So we we talked about holidays. One of the things you mentioned during your talk also was that you never, ever got to go trick-or-treating. It's true. That broke my heart. That's the biggest pagan holiday. I know. No, do you know what's so funny? They turned it into this weird, they would call it All Hallows' Eve. Um, Because, again, it's just steeped in paganism. But it was supposed to be like a celebration of the earth. And it's so funny because... um, Every year we would have like a party right around Halloween and I have no idea how the hell these kinds of things get started. But every year we would have a pinata shaped and decorated like the earth. Oh, <laughs> so you killed the <laughs> earth. <laughs> Shit out of the earth. I have no idea. But <laughs> oh, since no. moving out, uh, you know, uh, 15 years later, me and my brothers will sometimes get together and, and have a Halloween oh. party that involves making a, a very phallic pinata what do you use to hit it with (laughs) usually just a baseball bat okay (laughs) i didn't know if you made another another instrument to we could probably get a little bit more crass with it but these are also my brothers so again it's boundaries boundaries. it's one thing to so did your parents did you have trick-or-treaters in the neighborhood ever come by or well not really because we had like our own private little cul-de-sac with my you know cousins um homes around us and Every as the years went on, we did start getting more development. So the horse pastures turned into um, neighborhoods, but mm-hmm. we were still down this little like kind of rural cut off dirt road. Um, so we we really never got many uh, people venturing in. Well, that's good for the kids, for the other kids in the neighborhood who I remember growing up across the street from uh, Jehovah's Witness family. And they. Oh, they had to just see all the kids and all their. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, you know. As a young child, I didn't know what a Jehovah's Witness was, and I didn't know that they didn't celebrate holidays. They didn't do Halloween, that whole deal. And You just thought they were poor. They <laughs> Well, the people who lived across the street from us had must have been higher up in the church hierarchy because they always had the, the church bus parked okay. outside their house also. And, yeah, they were very strict about it. They They were some of the earliest voices in my young childhood who who told me that there was no such thing as Santa. (laughs) Well, we're not, mom said we're not supposed to say this because you guys don't believe the same thing as us, but there's no Santa. (laughs) And then they, you know, they, Uh -uh. and they, they didn't do Halloween. (laughs) They, they turn off their lights and if you knocked on the door, they're Mm -hmm. like, no, we don't do Halloween. Go away. Well, okay. Bye. But, uh, yeah. So I was just wondering if you were turning, if your parents were turning away other kids, if they came to the house, but yeah, yeah, it makes sense that you wouldn't have any if you were at the end of your own little cul-de-sac there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But it does it every Halloween. I get a little bit sad because I'm like, I never got to do this. 
But now I'm living vicariously through my little boy and having a good time. There you go. Putting him in well, little so, so tell us a little bit about your current family. Oh, sure. Um, so, um, married to a wonderful man. We've been married for, um, almost eight years. It'll be eight years this, this summer. Um, together 11 years this summer. And, uh, we have a little two and a half year old boy, um, named Jonas and he's beautiful. I love him to death. He's the cutest <laughs> ever. Yeah. He's, he's at a really fun age right now too, where he's just like, you say two and a half? Two and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a fun age. Yeah. He does not stop moving and he just chatters and repeats everything I say, which is so dangerous, but <laughs> it's just adorable though. Like, yeah. Loves dinosaurs and trucks and all these boy things that I did not teach him to like. Making noise and messes. Yeah. And, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. My brother's son has a, 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 a dinosaur or a dragon costume mm-hmm. that he just likes to wear sometimes. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's full on with the tail on the. The dragon head on it, and he just wears it. <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't wanted to do that yet, but I think that happens a lot with kids. My my husband actually he's told he's told me, and I think I have a picture of it somewhere. His thing was he had a Halloween costume that was a Dracula, and he liked to just wear the Dracula cape around. <laughs> so I guess I guess I need to think very carefully about uh, what, what Halloween costume yeah. I pick this year because he might like to wear it at wear random it times during the year. <laughs> And you also have a pet? We have a dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. Named? Her name is Tesla. Yay! That's yeah. cool. I just wanted you to say that you have a dog named Tesla. <laughs> you have a dog named Tesla. <laughs> but I, I think you should get your son a, a, a Deadpool costume. That would just be... Ooh. That could be kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's... It would not interest him. He would just be like, what is this? This yeah, is not... But everyone else but would But everyone get else it. would think it was rad. <laughs> 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 Very true. So you said that you said during your talk that your father uh, used you and your siblings as projections of his faith, basically. He used you as projections of his faith, basically. That's correct. <laughs> Dude, you know what? We we totally need next April. We need to have a guest and we can all just interview just like that. So, so welcome to the show. Tell me a little about, about yourself. <laughs> um. <laughs> so he used you all as, as as little projections of his faith. Did you? I, I know you you didn't have a very close relationship with your father, and I don't think we mentioned yet that your father has has since passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, he died last year, I believe you said. Yeah, just over a year ago. Did you? Well, maybe we can get to this in a little bit. But you you said that he used you all as a projection of his faith, and I'm guessing that's. Um, it's just another one of those control issues where he wants to right. present that the way he's living is is true and correct and right, and all of his children are perfect manifestations of how wonderful his particular belief belief set is. Um, that right, had to have been really hard living, trying to live up. To it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think ultimately he was just kind of a dick, and he was really vain. Um, <laughs> but I mean, no, kind he, of a dick. You feel, baby? <laughs> you feel bad, Trying to be too judgmental. Um, he no, he did. He, I mean, I think the the logic that got kind of twisted around in his head was, you know, if we're obeying God's laws, we'll be blessed. Like that's pretty clear in you know their version of literature. And uh, so if we're being if we're blessed and we're living right, then we should be beautiful and happy and um and shiny and happy people shiny happy people rem right but yeah so i wasn't allowed to listen to devil music either by the way but um rem was devil music <laughs> still is they were I'm losing kidding. their religion um, <laughs> oh, oh yeah no uh, so 
so yeah, he kind of twisted it around to, again, and it, it goes back to control too, because it was emotionally crippling. Like he would just be mean, essentially, you know, so he used to, he used to, my little brother before his, his growth spurt, he was just like just a chubby little kid and, you know, 10 year old boys are chubby, right? But he would make him do sit ups in front of oh. the family. Like everyone, we always, every single night we gathered for family prayer little. before bed. He would make my little brother do sit ups in front of the whole family. Little healthy body shaming. Yeah, exactly. So much body shaming. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like, so for, for my little brother, it was being fat. For me, it was being chubby. For one of my little sisters who was super skinny, it was, you're too pale. Take iron oh. supplements. Um, he wait she was just more white and delightsome than the rest of you i know right <laughs> super ironic um but yeah he, he was oh double entendre <laughs> iron supplement ironic yes i meant to do that <laughs> no um <laughs> but yeah so it, it was there's just even not even really rhyme or reason but and he was he was equally that way to my mom too he once called my mom within earshot because i remember hearing it as a child called her the michelin man Mm. Like, oh, yeah. So yeah, it's just back to the the control. So there's like body shaming and just you know the emotional. So, yeah, fuck you, tiny dick. Emotional. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was. <laughs> I can't imagine any scenario in which my mother would say even words that rhyme with those things. Um, <laughs> this is new name Noah, and you're listening to the Godless Revolution. Oh, hey, Stan. Where's your best buddy, Gary? I'm not hanging around that kid anymore. Oh, no, you guys broke up? You guys were right, okay? The new kid's a douche. Now I just gotta find a way to keep him away from me. Hey, Stan. Oh, brother. Uh Uh-oh, the jilted lover returns. Listen, I just wanted to let you know you don't have to worry about me trying to be your friend anymore. I don't? Look, maybe us Mormons do believe in crazy stories that make absolutely no sense. And maybe Joseph Smith did make it all up. But I have a great life and a great family. And I have the Book of Mormon to thank for that. The truth is, I don't care if Joseph Smith made it all up. Because what the church teaches now is loving your family, being nice, and helping people. And even though people in this town might think that's stupid, I still choose to believe in it. All I ever did was try to be your friend, Stan. But you're so high and mighty you couldn't look past my religion and just be my friend back. You got a lot of growing up to do, buddy. Suck my balls. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Oh, I'm sorry. What yeah. were you, what were oh, I was just going to say, did anybody in the family live up to his expectations? Did he have like a favorite or was everyone just no one could live oh, up to man. his expectation? I mean, ultimately, no one did. None of us did. One by one, all of my siblings moved out. My father certainly had favorites, i.e. boys. Mm. Um, and his oldest boy was definitely his golden child. Um, it's interesting. So when my oldest brother, um, decided to move out, join the Mormon church, serve a mission, that was when my father actually got a little bit more soft on the, the Mormons are so wicked and they betrayed oh. us. And, and it became more like, well, at least they live 80%. Oh, because the golden child, <laughs> because the golden chosen, child yeah. chose to go that way. So maybe it's not quite so, and you know, purgatory worthy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, there was some favoritism that way, but ultimately, no, none of us could ever please him. Um, Sounds like a personality disorder, almost like, you know, narcissistic or mm-hmm. sociopathic almost. Yeah. I could see it. I mean, it's very Trump like. <laughs> some of that, you know. Oh, God. So yeah. many reasons for me to dislike him. Um, yeah. Which, it's- who? Which one? <laughs> Both. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it is interesting. <laughs> I I don't know. It's um, I guess he's an interesting case study, but uh, I don't have the background in psychology to say one way or the other. Yeah. But certainly some a flawed a flawed human being for sure. Sounds a lot like my mom. It was also that's why I, that's why I made the connection first when you start mm-hmm. saying some of that stuff. I was like, yeah. Anyway, oh, <laughs> uh, you you're an atheist now. And it sounded like during your talk that you came to a realization or or the the possible conclusion that there wasn't a God at a pretty early age. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I honestly was pretty young. I, um, you know, when you're a little kid, you obviously try to make your parents happy. You believe the things they tell you and, you know, you just try to get some some positive attention and, and you know, that kind of thing. But um, but yeah, just like the. the it just got more and more frustrating, like wanting to have friends, wanting to be normal and constantly being told that that's not correct. All of these people, these people you think are your friends that are nice to you are wicked, horrible people and are going to drag you straight down to hell with them. Um, it just, yeah, I just kind of got to the point where it's like, <laughs> this, this can't be someone's lying to me. Which one is it? And, um, well, and that's where your dad really fucked up, right? Like right. He, he let, let you me have go to public school. Outside influence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh man, if I ever start a cult, let me tell you. I... <laughs> <laughs> no outside contact at all. Right? This uh... is the bunker cult. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, I, I have to just to remember one second and say that I really love that show, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, have you ever watched that? Oh, She's yeah, one of the yeah, bunker yeah. women. That show's hilarious. <laughs> and I have to admit also, I could not actually watch Big Love. Oh, yeah. I, I tried to watch one episode and I was like, nope, already lived it. But <laughs> Been somehow there, done that. It's hilarious. Got so. the emotional scars. Yeah, already got that. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Sorry for that. Um, and now I kind of forgot. What we were oh, we are about. a show of tangents. So don't worry <laughs> about that. No, we were talking about oh, at, right. at an early so, age. You... So, yeah, I it, it it's funny that this sticks out in my memory because it really was this really clear moment. And it, it wasn't. Any, nothing was going on around me. I had just been arguing with my dad upstairs and my ba- my bedroom was in the basement and I went downstairs to go to my bedroom and turn on my light and I had, was just kind of like thinking about how all this is bullshit and doesn't make any sense. And I just had this like kind of like moment where I was like, wait, what if there's no God? What? And it was like, <laughs> like, like, like it was like the possibility even but it, thinking that was right. I never even foreign. thought that before. Yeah, and I'm, it, I'm wondering how you even would have have thought that that was a possibility. Yeah, you know, so, uh, without any outside influence to think that that's that's something that is really really surprising to hear from somebody who who lived such a cloistered religious life that that's something that you thought was even a possibility that 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 the thought even crossed your mind as a possibility like as as if saying there is no sun yeah like you don't have that thought yeah yeah you just don't and and so yeah it it just like it struck me it like literally caused me to stop walking and to just hold very still and like move my eyeballs around in my head for a second and uh it was actually like a really terrifying thought um it was like all of the safety nets are gone. Like what possibilities does this even mean? And, uh, and I just, I just remember feeling really unsettled and scared, but also like, I got to think 
about this. <laughs> and uh, I just remember going, I didn't even turn on the light. I just went into my dark room and sat on my bed and just like start thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the more it really just clicked and made sense. To me. And again, I, it was not pleasant or comforting in any way. It was very unsettling and scary. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of like, like weeks after this, like occurred to me, like I was just like in my mind, like, I can't be thinking about things like this. I'm going to go straight to hell. I, why did I even think that? Um, until I finally just settled on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, did, did you look out like resources, other things to like look oh, into God, like for research? Well, no, you have the internet, <laughs> but I mean, just as far as like going to a library and say, Hey, do you have any books on like religion or philosophy that I could check out? Oh, man, or... I wasn't that smart a kid. Um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, that never occurred to me really. So can you think um, of any specifics where you said that, um, you know, upon reflection that there may not be a God, it just seemed to make more sense. Was there anything in particular, anything that you could point to that, oh yeah, well, you know, if there isn't a God, then this makes more sense or. I mean, so I was 13 and so, I mean, I hadn't really had that much life experience or, you know, I hadn't really even like started taking science classes or anything like that. Um, but I started to frame more of my views with that context in mind. So like when I did start like taking science classes, for example, I was like, this makes so much sense <laughs> and loved it. And um like they're telling me something and then providing and then, evidence to back it up. Right. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> a crazy idea. If I get rid of this one thing, this actually works out. Yeah. But I, I think, I guess if I think more about it to your point, like, kind of looking at other things like concomitantly in my life or concurrently going on and just being like yeah like if there's no god and all of this is just bullshit that my parents made up for some unknown reason um like yeah actually the rest of the world now makes a lot more sense um and yeah i don't know i can't think of good examples but well and maybe maybe it would be better to to frame it on the on the flip side of that to say rather than you know what was it that made more sense to you uh, after you after you maybe thought about that what were were there any specific things that you could point to and say, well, that doesn't make any sense? You know, what was it that that didn't make sense to you at the time? Maybe after that. Well, I mean, all of I don't know. This is how do I say this? All of the spirituality. Like, <laughs> I never felt <laughs> all a the spirit. jumbo. Yeah. I never felt yeah. a spirit ever. I didn't know what they were ever talking about. <laughs> I never got the burning in the bosom. No, never had that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's I guess. If I'm honest, I'm not really a spiritual person. I know some people say that they they are. And I'm they spiritual, but not and, religious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't even say I'm that. Quite honestly, I'm just like hardcore logic, I guess. Um, I like evidence a lot. Uh, but yeah, so so it yeah, it just it did. It made sense, and you know, from there, I actually had a terrible year once I had this realization, um, and. It it coincided with my first year of middle school, uh, and so I think that my parents were probably just writing off my behavior as you know s- stupid teenager. But I started getting really angry at that point. Once I'm like, you know what, this is bullshit, and I don't believe there is a god anymore. I really started rebelling pretty hard, and just like, <laughs> yeah. So it it actually got to the point where my, my dad told me he was going to take me out of school, public school, and so I was like, oh shit they still have power. I better be good. (laughs) (laughs) 
They they could still control my life, damn it. No, it's it's true that so if you look at like my actual like school pictures from like seventh grade, I'm like, you know, I kind of just look like a normal kid, not really rebellious per se, but just, you know, like I'm trying to fit in and I'm being a normal kid. Yeah. Um but I think I might have I think no, you know, I snuck in um some clip on earrings. <laughs> um then my eighth grade picture, I was like holy shit, I got to be good, keep it together, make sure my parents, like, let me stay in public school. And, like, so in that picture, I'm wearing long sleeves and a vest. And, like, you can just, like, I really, I remember putting on the outfit being like, yeah, my parents will like this. Like, <laughs> long sleeves. Pretty flowers on my shirt. Uh, no mohawk. No mohawk. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I, when I was young, I went through a bit of a rebellious phase, but that was just, you know, wearing a jean jacket, getting my ears pierced and having a, having a mullet. Man, I really wanted to get my <laughs> that ears That was my pierced. super rebellious phase. <laughs> I was kind of a straight arrow in high school. It wasn't until after that I did anything really bad. <laughs> yeah. That's when you got into cocaine, wasn't it? <laughs> Hell no, I've never no. tried cocaine. I've always been terrified to try cocaine because I was afraid that I would like it too much. And I'm like, if I'm, I'm like, I'm just not even going to try it because it, it, odds are that I may just like it too much. And then there goes my life. They say it's a party drug. <laughs> so I hear, I don't know. You have a good party. I've always, I've been terrified to try it because I've just always thought that I, there's a chance that I might like it too much. And then I'm going to be fucking setting my hair on fire. Well, I don't you know. have a real gift of spinning uh, goody two-shoeism into rebellious somehow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think I'd like it too. I'm too hardcore for cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's but just, yeah, you would. I don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Look at Charlie Sheen. Yeah. There's just, oh, there's, yeah. there was just that fear there's that a cautionary tale that I could, that I could try it once and maybe just like it way too much and think, Oh, well, I could do it again. It'll be fine. And, you know, maybe a third time. Just, yeah, that it would just be this slow descent into ruining my life. Yeah, it's also kind of expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and I grew up kind of poor, so that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been very easy for me to do. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Then, see, and then your teeth fall out. You don't have to worry about going to the dentist. (laughs) Low maintenance drug right there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, you talked during you 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 mentioned during your talk uh that you weren't able to go to dances or anything when you were younger mm-hmm. but your your brothers were able to and you mentioned that you know it was it was like men could go out and potentially recruit women mm-hmm. to come into convert. the group yep. but you know women going out to re- try to recruit men to come in of course that would be a problem yeah. but there's also a problem of if a man goes out to recruit a woman into the group where polygamous marriages are going on, there's still going to be one too many men there, right? So <laughs> did nobody notice the inherent problem with that either? That seems strange. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of them are really particularly smart. Uh, or <laughs> 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 Math isn't the best uh, um, skill set there. No, I yeah, I think there there is that problem. And I think that kind of contributed maybe a little bit to like, as we talked earlier, a little bit of like the shuffling around of different families coming in, leaving and that kind of thing, too. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah, there there was certainly was that disparity of men can do these things. Women cannot do these things. Um, and yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like it makes no benefit to anyone if we if we let more males come in. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I couldn't go to, to dances or, you know, any of that. Well, and women are just property anyway. I know. So. I mean, what's the point of even paying attention? But <laughs> no, actually I have to, um, I'll tell you a funny story. I have to give um, props to, to my brother. Um, so when he, um, he, he definitely inherited my father's charisma. He was actually a pretty, for, for probably what everyone knew was going on in our family. My brother was actually pretty popular and, uh, and he did have a sense of fairness. So he was a senior, um, when I was a sophomore in high school and he actually facilitated me sneaking out to a dance once. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So he, uh, he was pretty cool. <laughs> Way to go, big bro. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what a stand up guy. <laughs> um, to to talk about a little bit more of the darker side of things, uh, you also mentioned during your talk that there were a couple girls, um, or women. I I can't remember how mm -hmm. old they were. I, no, they were girls at the time. Yeah, sixteen um, and fourteen. That that came forward and and made accusations that they had been abused. Uh, I'm guessing it was sexual abuse. And mm -hmm. I, I, I think you just said abuse, but I'm I'm guessing it was sexual abuse, and that nobody believed them. Um. And your father made a really terrible comment about that one time. Yeah, I um, I'll actually give you a little bit more detail on that comment my father made and and horrify you even more because awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> um, it was actually my sister, and oh, she's geez. she's very open about it, which is why I I will go ahead and put it on a podcast. <laughs> um, older sister, my older sister. Okay. Um, and and she. She has been very open about it. Um, and it's pretty common knowledge what happened to her, um, in terms of my family, my siblings all know, and even her, maybe her kids know because they're grown now. But, um, so she, she's always been very open about it. But, but what happened to her was she, she was, she was raped when she was 16. And, you know, what happened is she, uh, actually she wasn't raped by, um, one of the polygamists actually. Um, so she had, against my father's will, gotten a part-time job. Um, That'll do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so she, she had gotten a part-time job working at a daycare center and she kind of uh, established a relationship. She was taking care of, um, you know, children at the center. And, um, one of the fathers was a single father, uh, and asked her to, to come over and babysit his kids for her, uh, for him. Um, while he was out. And, uh, so she agreed to, to, you know, earn some extra cash and go do some, some, uh, babysitting for him. And he came back drunk and forced himself on her. And my sister, um, and <laughs> he gave her a ride home. Um, oh, <laughs> and my, my sister came well, home. Well, the least he could do. Right. right yeah. Gentlemen. <laughs> um, and my sister came home and told my parents what happened to her. And, you know, I, by no means was present for any of this conversations. This is hearsay, but, um, from what my sisters told me, my mother, like, basically, like, shut down, could not emotionally handle it, left the room, crying in the other room. And my father uh, just launched into a tirade against my sister and essentially said, you weren't supposed to get a job. This serves you right. Oh. Remember before when I was saying it wasn't <laughs> sure if my father was, was evil or <laughs> what kind of personality disorder. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think, I think I've decided now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah, I'm rough. sure they had a great relationship after that. Yeah. Your father and your sister. My, unfortunately, my sister, um, started drinking, got into some trouble, 
um, moved out as soon as she possibly could at 18. She still graduated high school. Um, but, but since, I mean, so she, oh my gosh, she had some struggles and she definitely had the hardest time of any of us because, um, once essentially like she moved out and had like no resources and, and just kind of relying on, on her boyfriend at the time and, um, and his family. And then, um, a couple of my brothers, um, moved out, but they had like, you know, more support from, from other friends and things like that. But my sister struggled the most. And then she, um, she's an amazing woman and she, she's turned it around. She's an amazing mother, amazing woman. And she, um, what happened is she then started taking us in as we were moving out. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to say, you, you we, said she kind of turned yeah, into the we, external was, mother figure to help all of you. Yeah, she's definitely like the mommy. And she, um, yeah, we, we made the joke that she runs the polygamy halfway house. So, yeah. so we, <laughs> well, we, we all kind of took a turn like moving spot, into, yeah. yeah, she's the transition home. So um, she kind of took us all in one by one because she, you know, just understood better than any of us how hard it is. So, wow. Yeah. She saved probably a lot of you guys a heartache of having to learn the experiences, oh, yeah, the hardware yeah. that she learned the first go around. And- yeah, absolutely. This is Natalie Newell of Science Moms and the Parenthetical Science Podcast. You are listening to The Godless Revolution. Well, Stan, it's all a matter of faith. No, it's a matter of logic. If you're going to say things that have been proven wrong, like that the first man and woman lived in Missouri and that Native Americans came from Jerusalem, then you better have something to back it up. All you've got are a bunch of stories about some asswipe who read plates nobody ever saw out of a hat and then couldn't do it again when the translations were hidden. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at Podcast. Thank you! You also talked about one of the arguments, and I don't know if this is the same argument, where you went to your room and, and didn't turn on the light and you, you contemplated that there may not be a God. But you said that you were in an argument with your father or both of your parents, I can't remember. And you, I can't remember exactly how you said that this all came about, but you said that you just wanted to be loved. You just wanted right. unconditional love. And yeah. can you tell us what? a little bit more about that? Cause I can't <laughs> can remember. Can you believe me? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember exactly how that came about. First it's birthday. But that is now this. <laughs> yeah, you get one birthday cake and then you just think you should be loved. You're so fucking special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this was a real conversation I had with my dad. And okay. I was arguably a moody teenager who watched too many romantic comedies. Um, but, but yeah, no, I was actually arguing with him about wanting to go to a dance and, you know, trying to plead my case that, you know, I should get to go to dances. I should get to be social. Like my brother gets to go. Like what the hell? Um, and, you know, and he just, he just kind of yelled and was like, there, why? There's no reason for you to do that. Um, what are you hoping to, to, why would you even want to do that? What are you trying to get out of this? What do you even want? And I, again, silly little teenager, told him, love. I just want unconditional love. And he um, didn't actually say anything. He just spun around and walked over to his bookshelf. And he pulled a volume off of his shelf um, in his little polygamy library there. Um, And he just flipped right to a page. So must have known it pretty darn well. And uh, turned right to it shoved the book in my face and pointed at the paragraph and said, read this. And, um, you know, I, I said in my talk to, I can't remember exactly what it said, 
but but the gist of it was that um you cannot be loved if you're not loved by God and you don't love God. So essentially God comes first and no one should ever unconditionally love you. It's conditional on you loving God. And so Yeah, there's no such thing as unconditional love. There, that's there, essentially the condition what he, is that you have that to love God love and God. he has to love you mm-hmm. and you well, need to live by his And that's the condition. Yeah. Was that so, his way of saying, well, you don't love God enough. So therefore I don't love you. <laughs> well, he didn't say that, but he's probably could have been thinking it. <laughs> this is why I hate you. <laughs> you argue with me. No, um, but, but that was essentially what he was trying to tell me is, you know, get your shit together, love God, and then maybe you can think about finding someone who can tolerate you. Um, but there's no such thing as unconditional love. So that's just not in your future. Get your head out of your butt. That's so sad. I, it's a great thing to tell to like a, I don't remember how I was, like 15 or 16 year old girl. Ah, and that's when the emotions are just, you know, in, 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 in good shape. Yeah. yeah not, not insecure, vulnerable. not vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. No, you're in and the you're best, down. best emotional place in your yeah, life. You know how to handle those, <laughs> those, those hormones are, are steady and normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Wow. I can't. So when's the book coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, have you thought about writing a book or or doing anything like no, that? No, I I don't know. It feels it feels so I don't know, selfish and narcissistic for me to even like be talking about this just even with you guys and doing the talk for for uh the atheists of Utah at the library it was like my life wasn't that hard. I still managed <laughs> to get here. Um <laughs> you know, it was needlessly difficult. And, you know, certainly could have been better, but there's just so many stories that mine just pales in comparison to. So it just doesn't really. Well, but I mean, if, if you live, if you live with a person who cares more about being right than he does about the newly raped daughter, um, and that was your father, then I don't think, you know, I don't think exploitation or anything like that would be, I mean, he, you know, you lived under that. So I think what, what if, what if other people can get strength from your story? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason I ultimately agreed to, to do my talk. Um, cause mm-hmm. I, I did feel like it was worth sharing in the sense that if I can, yeah, shed light on something that's really unfair and is oftentimes right under our noses, then, then it's a good thing to do. And, um, you know, the more people that are aware and paying attention, um, maybe some horrible things don't have to happen. Right. So what are your thoughts about polygamy and polygamous marriages? I know a lot of people, um, who were formerly in polygamous, uh, sects or cults or groups, uh, leave it and they're like, no, it's terrible. Nobody should ever do it. It's, it's mm-hmm. awful and bad. And then other people leave and say, it's awful and bad a lot of the time because it's been forced underground. It has been, has been forced into dark and, and because people can't live their truth in the light and and live out and open, it all becomes secreted. And then because it's secret, uh, it it breeds this 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 feeling of well, because it's secret, we can get away with these other things because nobody's talking about it anyway. Yeah, I think I can see both arguments. I can tell you how I personally feel about it, but I I think that is an interesting idea that if it wasn't 
so subversive and secret um, and kept underground like that, that um, it, it does take on the more cult-like um, sense and you know, all of the things that go along with that. But What happens in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I um, Just my own general feelings about it are quite negative, honestly. <laughs> um, I try to be an open-minded person and I am a pretty liberal person and I think everyone has a right to believe what they believe, but in the sense that that can't impact, adversely impact others. Um, and I think that a lot of people say, you know, well, religion is one of those things where people can believe whatever they want and they can, but I can't see any universe in which polygamy, the way it's lived right now, um, doesn't negatively impact children. It, I just, I can't see it. It, it, Every child that I ever see, like walking through a grocery store and I see a polygamous family, I just get really angry because I'm like, those kids deserve better than what they're getting right now. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that's right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm really torn about it. I mean, on the one hand, I'm, I'm all for people being able to love who they want and form relationships with whomever they want. I just, I, I, don't know any way around and especially if it's if it comes through any theological belief that this is something you have to do as a requirement of your religious teachings right that you can that you can separate that and not indoctrinate people into a lifestyle that may be damaging and harmful for them if there are a way to to perhaps separate the theological beliefs and requirement that you do it um and indoctrination into that lifestyle and where it's just you know a completely free choice of people to adopt whatever lifestyle they want and and like I say form relationships with multiple partners if they want and marry whomever they want I think that would be totally fine but it's it's just so hard to separate that religious indoctrination and teachings that it's a requirement and something you're supposed to do or have to do and then of course all of the subjugation and oppression that comes along with that it's 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 a stick it's a real sticky wicket. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't know but how that's, to handle that's, it. That's 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 the through line that we see with all these cases from all the people we talk to is that that dogma is the problem in in all of these because then right. then directly following that is what you said with the subjugation. You have consent issues, um, age barriers. You know all of this stuff follows the dogma that that is can't be questioned. You know and and I think. Oftentimes people who are saying, well, you know, we sh it sh shouldn't be subverted. It should be out in the open. They're picturing like this hippy dippy utopia or whatever, which it, that's not how it's, that's not how it's operated currently. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be great, but, uh, so what I think I'm hearing you guys say is that polygamy would work great without religion. Possibly. <laughs> well, possibly. Yeah, it, <laughs> I'm it, kind of making a joke. There, it definitely yeah. can't work with it. It really can't. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a very good point. And thank you. Well, and, and to your point also that, well, and I mean, this could happen even in a monogamous, if you have 17 <laughs> goddamn children, you can't pay enough attention to the ones you have, right? Yeah, they're they're going the to be neglected lady. just through sheer necessity of you don't have enough time to spend individually right. with those kids. Right, like that 17 kids and counting TV show or whatever it got up. Was it 19 at the end? I don't, I remember. don't remember. I think they had to change the number every year on that show. <laughs> but then they found out there was like some sexual misconduct going on. In oh, yeah. Too, mm -hmm. right? oh, is that why that show got canceled? 
I just figured people got bored with it. <laughs> Could have been both, but <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, it's rough. Uh, so what's your relationship with your mother like now? Do you have a relationship with her? How is she doing? It's a, it's a, yeah, thanks for asking that. It's, um, it's weird, honestly. It's damaged and it's going to need some time because quite frankly, I have a hard time forgiving my mother. Well, because, so you, you left, right? You left, right. you left your, your, your parents behind, stayed with your sister for a while yeah. when you were 18. Yeah. Walked you're, out the door. You're, 24 now i'm sure um really close <laughs> really close to that yes um <laughs> no it's it, so i i i have you know kind of these i feel like my mother didn't do anything to help me mm. so in that sense i feel like she was you know a partner in crime um that you know she she never did anything it's crimes of omission i guess yeah. um for lack of a better term. So yeah, I just feel like she never stood up for me. She never did anything to help me. She just let my dad do everything he did. Um, even though she didn't necessarily overt, like, you know, hurt me, um, directly. Um, so, you know, so I just have these like mixed emotions because in some ways I think my mother is very much a victim too. And mm -hmm. I feel bad for her in a lot of ways. I mean, she was an 18 year old girl, like, cute peppy fun like had so much going for her and she found this payphone serviceman <laughs> i mean life was yeah. very super charismatic yeah. woohoo yeah so i mean but but really like she could have done so much and she could have had a very different life mm -hmm. and you know once i did like walk out that door i didn't ever talk to her she never called me i never really made an effort to call her either because she was stuck there and i was just trying yeah, to distance myself yeah. As, yeah and i i never liked to go i wasn't welcome in that house um kind of shunned yeah i mean i i did go over a couple times to to see my little siblings because you know, i missed them but it was just like you know i went over and it was like just just awful feeling there what are you here for yeah i just it was just generally not very welcome even though my mom was like it's fine come over and see them but um so so yeah so now that um now that my father has passed away it's very different and i feel like my mom is making an effort to rebuild relationships with her children because all of her children left they all moved out and she was raising wife number two's children mm. and um so she's she's been missing out on her own children on her grandchildren and so um, I, like I said, I have mixed emotions. I still have some, some hurt feelings, but I definitely, um, she is my mom and I love her and I, you know, want to try to build a relationship with her. Feel free to not answer anything you're uncomfortable with, but I, I want to push a little further in on that because I'm, I'm curious what she could have done. I just feel like she could have like grown a freaking backbone, you know, when, <laughs> you know, when my, when my father is like berating us and telling us we're going to hell and like telling us we're basically garbage. Like she could have said something. She could have, even if it was after he left, maybe come back around and say, you know, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. not tell your father that I said this, but you're a decent but you're person. you're actually okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think. I don't know if she didn't think to do that or she like felt like that would be contradicting what the patriarch said. Um, right. I don't know. I have a lot of the same feelings for my dad, who's uh, very much a pushover. And I'm right now I'm kind of in the place where I'm wondering if it was me as a kid 
you know, how both your parents are superheroes and they're like, you know, they could do everything. And mm-hmm. so you're looking at that thinking, well, just stop it. Yeah. Just, you know, but is that me thinking as a kid sees his parents, you know, and, and that's why I wondered with you, like maybe your mom was, maybe as an adult looking back, maybe you, your mom wasn't in the kind of situ or position that you pictured she was in to do something more or something. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just feeling it out. I'm just, yeah. I don't even know where I fall on it either with, for me, but I just, I was just curious what you're. No, you could be right. I mean, I think that you have a point that maybe she really, like, because of how she was and her personality and like her situation, maybe she really couldn't have. And being abused like, and. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was, she was certainly a victim as well, like I said. And so maybe she literally could not have done anything. Um, but it just. I don't know. It's just hard to believe, you mm-hmm. know, like, yeah, like if anyone was mean to my little boy, like, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel like now that I'm a mom, like, there's no way I would tolerate anything. Well, but, but again, you've only it's got just, one kid. Not I know. <laughs> like he still thinks he's special because because there's, <laughs> there's just the one. I'll have sixteen more, and we're like, eh, you all get lost in the mix. <laughs> no, um. So I don't know. It's yeah. uh, I don't have a great answer, but it just I don't know. I just have a hard time understanding what was going on in her head. Um, but she was definitely not in a good place to do anything. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Well, to end it on a bit of a high note, what what can you point to as a as a benefit? Not to condone anything that happened to your in your in your life or or your upbringing, and and of course there were good times as well. But what can you point to as sounds like a good as, place uh, for a prestige ad? As, <laughs> as, <laughs> Godless Revolution brought to you by Prestige. <laughs> Um, well, what can you point to as a potential benefit or something you, you learned and feel has made you a better person after going through this experience? Well, it certainly shaped my personality and, and which is just shit, by the way. I'm, I gotta I'm a, say, I'll never be loved. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're fucking awesome. This is great. Oh, I was gonna say, I'll, I'm gonna have to intervene, or she's gonna resent me for the rest of my life. <laughs> you guys didn't stand up for me when Dan was being rude. No, um, no, I think there are definitely some positives. I think that I certainly, I, I think the whole reason I strove so hard to, in my education. Um, and worked so hard at it is because it was something that, um, that did give me a little bit of positive reinforcement. So my mom would tell me she was proud of me for getting a 4.0. My, my mom's mom, grandma would give me a $5 bill every time I got a 4.0. And it was like, someone's telling me I'm good. So, <laughs> so it, it definitely drove me to, to love to learn and to read and to just, you know, grow in my education. Um, which, you know, then obviously took me far. Um, happy with that. It taught me, um, to work hard. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of manual labor in my home. Um, I, I don't know if it was really that we needed so much yard work to be done or that my father just needed ways of six of so many children keeping you like, occupied, keeping us occupied and yeah. making us tired. I figured um, laundry duty but- <laughs> would do that alone. <laughs> but, but I, but you know, I did work, um, hard like you know like chore wise and and you know that kind of thing so i'm not afraid of hard work um good work ethic 
And I think maybe most important was just a sense of self-reliance and independence. Um, it, you know, part of it's because I was taking care of myself and little siblings. But I mean, but in a sense of like emotionally and, you know, I can support myself. I can take care of myself. I don't need a man to get me into heaven. Um, I can earn my own way. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on to yeah, the, for, for, for coming into the studio and talking with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's I been appreciate a, it. This has been a great this has been a great time. Yeah. Good good. Show. I hope I entertained a, you. Oh, it's been a delight to have you here and, and to talk with you more about this. Um That'll pretty much wrap it up for us this evening. Can you stick around for some news? We'll, we're going to move into our Patreon section here in a little bit, cover a couple news stories. Sure, sure. Awesome. All right. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be Vanessa. Robato. Michelle Short. Christy Kalbach. Newmania. Alan Firth. Gaytheist. Larry Wilson. Dr. Dan. And what's the rest of that say? Let them eat covfefe. <laughs> Why do you do this every time? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. I should rearrange it or something. I don't know. Uh, let them eat covfefe. Stephen Andrews. Jeff Peterson. Janet Uter. Marius Kotbuchukowski. Utah Outcasts. Tim Jacobson. Matt Tuller. Megan Kennedy. Andrew Vodapich. Brandy Hamrick. Jeremy Goodson. Angelica Pearson. Wesley Aaron. Savita Kuna. Purple Dragon. And Taylor Grin. Thank, Thank you all you. very much. We really, really appreciate your patronage. Uh, if you would like to become a patron of the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution. Also, Facebook has started this new thing where they're sending me notifications for people who have liked posts that we have out on our page, but they're not, they haven't liked the page itself. So mm. if you listen to the show, please go out and like our page on Facebook and follow us there for more information. Uh, and if you send us Facebook messages, sorry we don't get back to you on the most time, because Facebook is a motherfucker. Yeah, the pages manager is fucking bullshit. The, the way they handle all of that is, is a real pain in the ass. Like, you have to go out of your way to try to find information, and then sometimes you still can't get to it. When you get a notification that says, you know, so-and-so sent you a message or liked this or whatever, you click on that and it takes you to just a page that gives says, you a summary of information about bullshit. Or tells then, you, you need to log back in. You don't have rights to this account. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Yes, I do. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of buggy and bullshit, yeah. but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, feel free to go out er, and, and like our Facebook page. Um, you can join our community on Facebook as well. We have a, uh, private or separate secret, uh, Godless Revolution community that you can join and talk to other members who listen to the show and, Talk to us more directly. You can send us messages on Facebook. You can send us email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com. Can Twitter our twatter at <laughs> TGR podcast. Um, visit our website. We're yeah. all over the place. F please go out and rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you happen to gather and download your podcasting shoes. We would appreciate that. And you can call and leave us a message at 33081-REBEL. And we'll play that on the air, probably. <laughs> and and thank you very much for doing that. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you, Shannon, again, for joining us. We're, we'll move into the Patreon section here in a minute. But uh, until next week, crucify North Korea. <laughs> leave a review to receive your second wife. And rate the show 17 times a day toward polygamy. <laughs> <laughs>
But long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. If you should ever leave me, will life will still go on, believe me. Maybe, maybe. Oh, that's good there. Yay. Yay! That was me. Like you're hot, yeah. I know I'm hot. <laughs> Sessy mofo. No spiders, huh? Not that I found. <laughs> My ears start like getting tickly. I, I freak out. You heard what movie they're gonna do a, a number two to, haven't you? No. <laughs> Someone's gonna shit to a movie. Yep. <laughs> Three girls, one cup this time. Mad Mardigan, save me! <laughs> that show used to creep me out, actually. When they all turned into pigs, it scared me. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Freaked me out. They're already in, in works to do number three, but uh, uh, the, the bartender guy, uh, he's not going to be in it. T.J. Miller. T.J. Yeah, well, Miller. He's, yeah, he was... He got, he, got, he got booted for all of his antics and uh-huh. his drunkenness and his terrorist threats and he everything booted, else. He got booted, well, and... Uh, his assault charge. Yeah. Well, and he was in... Seems like he should run for president. <laughs> well, I just know I'm going to have a lot of like. Uh, oh, we don't go through uh, and cut up the ums. <laughs> that would be about. That a would 10 probably already. take forever, right? But if it was a really bad one, you, if, you just, if you sit there and go, um, 
then we might cut it out. Okay. I'm going to make sure I do that. <laughs> uh, but it might be funny, too. Yeah. Yeah. Could leave it in there. Yeah. You left a fart in one time, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It was happened. audible on the microphone, and we all we all acknowledged <laughs> oh, <no>. it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Keeping it classy, man. Keeping it classy, Keep people, mm-hmm. people, people. 